some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. Hello, everybody. Good evening. Welcome into another edition of the Mac and Reed Show right here on the Barroom Network. And we are streaming live right now on YouTube. You can check out all our previous shows on Spotify, on iTunes. Remember to follow the Barroom Network at Barroom Network. And for now, uh, the Elon Musk owned Twitter. Uh, you can follow us at the Real Evan Mac. Ross will be paying $8 a month for is a blue check mark follow him at ross <laughs> we're too broke for that come on elon how you doing ross what's going on uh i'm good I'm, I'm definitely too prideful for that i'm not fucking giving a guy that's a 75 billion dollar whatever he's worth eight, basically eight a in the world telling you yeah pay eight dollars a month i uh, i i was here for all the responses to that we got a lot to get to on the show we won't be talking about elon much but a lot of bears news to lead the show in and real active at the trade deadline for once roquan uh he's gone chase claypool in how about that we'll recap other nfl trades Throughout the league, and we got the Bulls looking good recently. We've got World Series. We've got Houston and Philly tonight, twice. At Brooklyn firing Steve Nash and Kyrie just talking all sorts of nonsense. Uh, we'll talk about takeoffs, legacies. Unfortunately, he was shot earlier this week, and many surprises along the way. A packed show. Uh, there's a lot going on, Mr. Reed. There is uh, so much going on, right? The, the, we, it feels like the Bears' loss is, is kind of an afterthought to what happened this week uh, up at Hallis Hall, right? I, I mean, it's, it feels like ages ago, but it was just this past Sunday where, where the Bears did lose you know, a football game against the Dallas Cowboys, 49-29, to 29, uh, in a game that you know Dak Prescott had 250 yards through the air, Tony Pollard in relief of, um, of Zeke Elliott, 131 on, yards on the ground. The defense was... Um, absolutely deplorable in, in in the outing. But the bright side was we saw Justin Fields really emerge and have a really good football game. He was 17 for 23, 151 yards to the air, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Thank you very much, Justin, with a quarterback rating of 120. Um, then he had 60 yards on the ground on eight rushes for uh, a touchdown as well. And that is the, um, the, the, the bright side going forward. And, uh, you know, I, I think the, the move that we saw this week bringing in Chase Claypool really signifies that the Bears are all in on Justin Fields and they're ready to build around him. Uh, big moves at the trade deadline and certainly, you know, putting a pin on that Bears-Cowboys talk. The long story short is I, I do think that this Cowboys team has some legs to it. In the NFC East, we've seen how they're really setting the bar pretty high with the Giants play for once. And the Cowboys, now that Dak is healthy, rolling um, and certainly the Eagles, who are still undefeated, who will test that record tonight against Houston. But the Bears on the opposite side of things, putting up 29 points uh, and for the second week in a row where they uh, have a higher total. It's like I believe you tweeted, Ross, if they can score 30 points every week in a losing effort, I'm all for it because you got to put up points in this league. And I'm, I'm absolutely with you 100 percent there. And Justin Fields does continue to show some maturation some growth, uh, albeit with, you know, he, take, he took four sacks, but he had a pretty hungry Dallas defense to go against. And it's it's been the same story for a couple weeks now with, with him being able to use his legs and make plays, extend plays. And whether it's Darnell Mooney or Nikhil Harry, uh, you know, he's really zeroed in on Darnell Mooney. It's, it's reminiscent for me to last year where he did key in on Mooney. You want to see him spread it around a bit more. Uh, we know that obviously Cole Komet has been nowhere to be found, but you know, in that game, it's, it's everything you wanted to see out of the offense. And then the opposite of the defense, which is unfortunate, uh, but the younger guys are just going to take their lick, licks, especially, 
you know, Kyler Gordon and, and Jaquan Brisker in the, in the, in the uh, secondary now, and, and Eddie Jackson too, who is now that, that undisputed defensive captain as this past week, Roquan finally got his wish and he's off to Baltimore and the bears again, continue to rebuild, right? Because they're stockpiling draft picks. They get the Ravens second and fifth round pick for this year. He's the leading tackler for, you know, in the NFL and certainly for the Bears and a great linebacker, no question. But the Bears are continuing this big rebuild in the way that you certainly should, which is stockpiling draft picks if you're not going to and and clearing up the cap, cap space, which you are next year. Who knows who they'll try to go for to um, to bolster this offense and defense. But it's all about continuing to build around Justin Fields and. I don't know if it's a, it's a question of which was bigger between Roquan and Chase Claypool, one going and one coming in. Um, but Chase Claypool uh, is certainly an addition that we'll, we'll, we'll dive into in a little bit here. But the Roquan departure was pre- pretty predetermined, just circling back to that, Ross, and how it, looking at the summer, he, he wanted out and then changed his tones, and, and people are making fun of him on Twitter because he's saying this was completely unexpected. Also, Roquan Smith writing the notes uh, note and calling out the ownership and all this he got what he wanted. And he goes to a pretty good football franchise again with good history at linebacker and a good defense. Overall, that defense is, is very loaded. He gets to play alongside Patrick queen and uh, Clay and Clay's Campbell, a bunch of, of guys who, um, uh, who are vets and, and they have legs at that Ravens team, but Losing Roquan, it was the right move, and it was pretty predetermined that this made a lot of sense and a pretty good return, right, Ross? Yeah, and I mean, I think you you can probably go back to the offseason. You just got the feeling that um, Ryan Poles and Matt Everfuse didn't really like Roquan Smith, and they weren't all in on him. They they didn't want to pay him the the money that he had the the you know the 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 contract hold out. He doesn't have an agent. He wants to get traded, then he doesn't want to get traded. He shows up. He's had an up and down season. Um, and quite frankly, you know, Ryan Poles flat out told you this week, listen, this guy's an off ball linebacker. Um, he wants $20 million a year. He wouldn't budge on that. And, you know, quite frankly, without an agent, I don't see how he's able to acquiesce to, to meet us in the middle. And so, you know, Ryan Poles says that he basically was, he, he, he played the hand that he was dealt. Right. And, and you know, even Matt Everfuss doubled down on that. They asked him this week, um, back when Everflus was with the Colts and they had Quentin Nelson on their board. And it was like, you know, if Quentin Nelson was gone, would you take Roquan Smith at that spot? And Everflus basically, in all intents and purposes, said no. Like, because again, he is an off ball linebacker right now in this system. So, you know, I, I, you know, I wish Roquan nothing but the best. He was a hell of a player in Chicago. Um, but there were a multitude of situations that kind of led to this. You can remember going all the way back to when he was drafted, right? He had a contract holdout then, uh, which is fine. A lot of rookies do. You know, remember he had the he had the playbook stolen out of his car. He had a a, a, a crash car situation. Um, he had a uh, he's on a boat with a porn star. You know, he had the unfortunate Always a good luck. Yeah, absolutely. He had that really weird rape allegation from a girl in TikTok in South Africa. And it just was always, and then you all the stuff that happened with this offseason. It was just all so much there, and I just never got the feeling that this regime thought that he was a clear cut leader and a very mature individual that they wanted to give a hundred million dollars to. And you know what? I I actually applaud Ryan Poles for for putting his feet in the ground and holding his stance and saying, "No, we're not going to acquiesce to you. Have fun in Baltimore. You know, have fun. They got crab cakes there." Um, they've got amazing seafood. You can live uh, by the shore. Um, you know, go visit the the vacants like the like in the wire. Um, but have fun. And here's the crazy thing: is I don't think Baltimore signs them to a long term deal either. Right. Yeah, you know, everybody's like, well, now they have to sign him to a long term deal because they gave up a second and a fifth, do they? I don't think so because you still need to sign Lamar Jackson, who is significantly more important than Roquan Smith. Um, but if they let Roquan Smith walk this offseason in Baltimore, then they get a third round pick for him. So essentially, I, I think they're looking at him as a rental for the last nine games of the season into, into the playoffs. And, and you know, maybe he can play his way into a contract there. But, you know, it, I don't I just don't know who's going to give this young man 
$20 million a year. And the Ravens now have to deal with two guys on their roster um, who don't have agents in Lamar Jackson and Roquan Smith. And I think they'd rather deal with uh, Lamar Jackson in that regard. And one has a lot more leverage in Lamar Jackson being yep. one of the best young quarterbacks out there. And like you said, pretty integral part. Uh, and Roquan, he doomed himself from the start with this whole not, not agent play and trashing the franchise. You, you paved your way out. And who knows? He, he could maybe get a bigger deal with Baltimore. But like you said, Ross, they have their own situation with Lamar Jackson. So it does look like a rental. And, and that was such an interesting part of that trade. Uh, the return... Getting that second round pick and getting a fifth round pick, those those could be pretty big. Uh, certainly, as we saw, Ryan Poles made his mark in this last year. But the Bears again stockpiling draft picks where you need to, uh, and then they ended up giving up a second rounder for Chase Claypool. I, you know, I is there a part of you just a, a pin on the Roquan situation? Mm -hmm. Is there a part of you that could have seen him staying? Was he that important? I certainly sided with a lot of people where he was. We're linebackers in general, just linebackers, running backs really kind of get a the short end of the stick where you're, you may play until you're 30 and play your ass off, but still never get that huge contract. I mean, everybody wants to be Fred Warner right now if you're a young uh, linebacker, and he, he is uh, certainly a, a great example of a great linebacker. But could you have seen him, you know, being a long term bear? You know what? I think if he would have came down on the amount of money that he wanted, it, it, it's a possibly. I, I think the Bears would have liked Roquan Smith closer to $17 million a year. Um, but the fact that he you know, was in the 20 range, I heard um, from some little birdies that he was above $20 million a year um, and that he wanted a little bit more money than, than what Shaq Leonard and Fred Warner were getting. And I think when you're at that level, and I think then when you have some maturity issues and, and new, um, you know, a new regime, and, and it's probably coming from ownership as well, who has you know seen all these issues that they that they are hesitant to give you that money. I, I just couldn't see it. Um, and I think that you know, luckily the Bears you know lucked out and they were able to um, get something for him, right? Rather than just keep him on this roster all year and let him walk. I mean, listen, you everybody's like, well, what the hell is going to happen with the defense going forward? It's like, bro, did you not watch the game on Sunday? They gave up 49 points, and Tony Pollard put Roquan Smith on skates on one play to score a touchdown. It, it was not pretty. The, the Bears have one of the worst rushing defenses in the NFL, and I'm not putting that all on Roquan Smith. Don't you know? Best believe I'm not doing that. But going, forward, going forward, if you want 20-something million dollars a year – You've got to you've got to be a little bit more better in that regard on and off the field. And listen, the the focal point in this league is it's it's an offensive first league right now, right? And you've got to be able to put the pieces around your star quarterback going forward. And that's really what this is all about. It, you know, if it's if it's going to be a Roquan versus Justin Fields conversation, I would much rather build around Justin Fields any day of the week, twice on Sunday. And Roquan Smith. I feel like going forward in the draft, Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles can be able to find guys that can fill in Roquan Smith's uh, shoes, right? Look how well Jaquan Brisker is playing this year already, right? And look how Kyler Gordon is coming on this year already, right? I think those guys have confidence that they're going to be able to hit some home runs in the draft. And they got over $110 million in cap space as well. And best believe they're going to be able to throw some money to guys like, you know, uh, Darren Payne, defensive tackle from Washington commanders and other defensive players to help mold this defense and make them look a lot better going forward. Yeah. The focus has shifted and a lot of bears fans and, and just folks that followed the league very closely in this team called for the bears to really, if you want to get out of the bottom of the NFC and bottom of the NFL, you're going to have to change that, that dynamic, that sort of philosophy that's defense first. Now, you're looking you're, with the start was certainly uh, that first domino to fall was Justin Fields drafting a guy like him with and where he is in the mold of the NFL quarterbacks where you want him to be able to run, make plays, extend plays and still have a rocket arm behind them. Uh, now it's it's looking like certainly the offensive line is continuing to be shuffled around. And we've talked about wide receiver repeatedly. So let's talk about it again here, Ross, mm -hmm. uh, with the new addition of Chase Claypool. Claypool, who is a young wide receiver with a lot of potential, and he's, what, 23 years old? He, he's one of those 
bigger bodied re receivers, six, four, he could still run really quickly. Uh, I know Cole Komet is excited the fellow Notre Dame um, player that on, that is on the bears. There's a couple guys, but I, you know, I'm skeptical. I know he has a lot to prove. He, he came from a shitty situation as far as the quarterback situation in Pittsburgh, but you know, the fact remains that he had that great breakout season in 2020 where he had nine touchdowns. He still had a decent amount of yards in 2021. And then this last year, he was just sort of falling by the wayside and Pittsburgh wasn't using him as much as you would think. Um, I know the bar flies in the comments are going off and please continue to comment on in the uh, chat, but I, I have some cautious optimism. I, I do think that he will, challenge Darnell Mooney I think that's good to have some competition out there and I think it helps with the play calling it just adds uh, another depth of um, creativity to it right where you would you would think this team is so run first where hopefully in the second half of the season maybe they'll try to air it out a bit more I, I'm not saying gimmicky but we've seen the Bears really don't throw it more than you know, th maybe 30 times in a game, something like that. And I, I just feel like across the league, you're seeing that. And Justin Fields needs those reps. So, you know, circling back to your impressions of Chase Claypool, do you like the trade? So I, I do like the trade, right? I was a big fan of Chase Claypool coming out of Notre Dame. And if anybody knows me, I'm not a big fan of Notre Dame prospects. Uh, typically, I, I don't think they fare well going forward. I wanted Claypool, though. Uh, over Cole Komet at the time. It, at the time, it was between Antoine Winfield Jr. for me and Chase Claypool, and then the Bears opted for Cole Komet. Thank you, Ryan Pace. Um, but going forward, I think there's a couple things that you have to look at to put this trade in perspective. The first thing is, um, you know, Chase Claypool going back to his rookie season, right? 109 targets, 62 receptions, or, um, almost 900 yards, nine touchdowns. That's a big one right there, right? Yeah. You look forward to last year, 105 targets again. Production dips, only 59 catches, only two touchdowns, right? But I think the big thing about that is look at the quarterback situation that he had in Pittsburgh the last couple of years, right? Boy, Big Ben was hanging on by a thread and had the noodleless of noodle arms that you could see in the entire league. And then you look forward to this year, he's got Mitch Trubisky throwing him the football. He's got Katie Pickett throwing him the football. It just really was a disastrous situation, not only for him, but for all those wide receivers in Pittsburgh, you look at Juju Smith-Schuster who's having a better year now that Pat Mahomes is getting him the football in Kansas City, right? I still worry about Deontay Johnson and and, and, and George Pickens, who's already been, you know, those guys have already been complaining a little bit with that situation. And so I think that the Bears are buying uh, on, a, on a guy right now that is, um, believe it or not, still younger than Bayless Jones, <laughs> even though this is his third uh, year in the league right now. But he's been a guy that's been proven to be highly productive. He's a big body receiver that can go down the football field. He can make big plays. If you watch that game on Sunday and you saw freaking Dante Pettis and Equinemius St. Brown just continue to drop passes when Justin is putting the ball down the field or even not fight, not even fight for the football when Justin's putting the ball down the field, you had to go out there and get a guy to be able to fill that spot. And it gives you more of an, uh, an investment into Darnell Mooney, who is not getting the, 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 the number one corner looks every single time now and getting blanketed by that situation, right? So it opens things up for Darnell Mooney, who's going to be able to see, um, you know, better spots open. It opens things up for Cole Komet, hopefully, um, to, for him to be able to get more the football more in space. I think Nikhil Harry needs to get on the football field more. And if you look out there, Opposite Darnell Mooney, you got some big, big body receivers who can also get down the football field and make some plays. I think I like Velus Jones a lot more coming out of the backfield. I think he's a running back going forward um, mm. that could uh, that can occasionally ride up, line up in the slot and on the outside. But I like the trade. And then my last point on the uh, Chase Claypool thing, and I think Ryan Poles touched on this. When you look at this draft coming up for wide receivers, there's some really good options in the first round, right? But after that, it takes a bit of a dip, right? And so if you're in the second round, there wasn't a wide receiver that was going to be on the board that's better than Chase Claypool. So why not buy him now, allow him to get the rhythm with, Darn with, with Justin Fields over the last nine games of the season, right? Allow him to learn this offense, allow Luke Getzey to get him comfortable in this situation, right? That's why I think it was a good uh, win for the Bears. 
It was a big win. Ryan Poles, a uh, big fan of it, quote, said yesterday, I've really liked the way that our offense is starting to come together and move. I like the way Justin is trending. I think adding another big body who's physical, explosive, great leaping ability, can stretch the field, but also is violent with the ball in his hands, as well as a blocker. I think that enhances everyone around him. He's a weapon, no doubt, right? And I, I just think you you have no shortage on the offense adding him. Uh, you know, that that just really helps not necessarily this year it's certainly it'll take a bit of time for him to learn the system certainly not Sunday against the Dolphins you could chalk that up to another loss but as time goes on building chemistry you can only imagine how these two will uh, start to connect you would think when he's coming from that poor situation in Pittsburgh for for two seasons really where he still had some production last year but this year it was just a wash at uh, at that point uh, the offense, it is coming together. I think, you know, the, the offensive line, when you're looking ahead to the draft and we're talking about all these draft picks and the Bears will, will finally have a first round draft pick after the Khalil Mack um, aftermath where they'd given up those picks. Now they'll have a draft pick. It might be top 10. Uh, so you're really leaning heavy in on either big big defensive tackle or offensive tackle maybe, but I know they're offensive linemen, I should say. Um, and you're really considering how to where to stockpile talent across this roster. But Chase Claypool, I I, I do like the move. I, I think that it remains to be seen uh, if he will mesh with, with Justin Fields. But we've seen the injury bug kind of bit the wide receivers on this Bears core. I think you, you hit it on the head with Nikhil Harry needs to step up, Ross, and now Darnell Mooney. That's another guy who you won't have as much attention on um, when he's out there catching passes from, from Justin Fields. Are you surprised that the Bears – have not made any other moves at the trade deadline. Those were two pretty big ones, of course, but you know, I, I thought you floated out maybe David Montgomery being gone or someone else like that. You surprised at all? I'm, I'm not surprised. I don't know what you're going to be able to get with David Montgomery on the open market. You know, I, I'm sure um, the Rams were probably the ones to, to come calling, but they probably wanted you to take Cam Akers back. And that's just, that doesn't make any sense. That's, that's kind of an apples for orange trade uh, in that situation. I actually think right now, with the fact that David Montgomery is sticking with the Bears, I think that he will get a contract extension in the offseason. I'm going to be uh, – I'm sure not the first one to call that right now, but I think there's enough money out there with the Bears' um, uh, cap space, and I don't think he's going to be expensive. If you look at the free agents coming up with the running backs in th this year, it's a big, big list. There's some big names on that list headed up by Saquon Barkley. I think that allows the, the Bears to get David Montgomery back at a more team-friendly deal, and I like the one-two punch of him and, and, and Cleo Herbert, right? I, I like keeping those guys together. Um, I think they're, they're, they're very good together. And then that's one less guy that you do have to draft. Now, if it does get start to get a little expensive for, for Montgomery, then you, you're able to let him go. But, you know, let's say hypothetically it's two years, um, $14, 15000000 million total, right? That's worth keeping David Montgomery around, in my opinion. And I, and I do think that that's going to be what he's going to go for because there are so many running backs on the open market. And obviously there's going to be running backs coming up in the draft as well. I just don't know who else is going to be able to, is going to be lining up to pay for, for David Montgomery. It's important now, if you're the bears and, and any team around the league, you're seeing it as a running back by committee. And you got two pretty solid damn running backs there that, that can catch the ball out of the backfield. They're not afraid to break tackles. And David Montgomery, when he has been ailing, Khalil Herbert has stepped up and vice versa. We've seen great games for both of them. They're a big reason why the bears are at the top of the league and, and as far as rushing yards per game. So this offense is trending up. It's obviously a big test uh, against the Dolphins when they host them this Sunday at Soldier Field. And the Dolphins are, are looking like they're getting healthy at the right time. Some people even saying they have Super Bowl aspirations with Tua healthy. And, and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell just <laughs> going to give the Bears defense nightmares. Um, but if that offense is looking good, then, then uh, it, it certainly looks like the plan is progressing. So I think that... Brian Poles is doing pretty much all the right things that we would expect him to do, right? Where he's not uh, not really hanging on to these old philosophies like we talked about with the defense and and what doesn't fit into your philosophy. And the same thing with Matt Aberflus for now. And we'll see about it. We'll see this year's a wash as a head coach too, but what he's able to do going forward. And uh, certainly Luke Getze, 
having Chase Claypool, I know he is ecstatic uh, as far as the offense is concerned. And Allen Williams, of course, he loses Roquan Smith. But this is, again, about getting more bodies. You know, you were talking about his performance, uh, uh, Roquan's against Dallas. And it, it, it was a poor performance by the entire Bears defense. It takes 11 guys out there and then more. It takes the subs and, and you know, nickel packages, di- different packages for different looks on the field. So it's still that rebuilding year. And this is honestly in the, in the more, most positive direction I could have seen at the trade deadline. It is. I was, I was very surprised. I, I was surprised that they didn't sit on their hands and they did something um, that um, – really enhances them towards the future, right? So now they got draft picks, they've got, and they got a lot of money to work with. And now it goes back to Ryan Pohl's mentality of, of best player available when it comes to the draft, right? Right now the Bears are sitting at about 12th, I think, overall in the draft. But, you know, I, I imagine they're probably going to creep back up a little bit. They'll probably be finished about 7th or 8th in the draft. But top 10, yeah. Yeah, but at this point, listen, because this team needs a lot of help, right? You can go top edge rusher, edge rusher if you want to. You need an offensive tackle, probably like a, a right tackle or a left tackle. If you want to kick Braxton Jones to the right side, if you find a stud a left tackle, maybe that kid from uh, from Penn State or the kid from Northwestern might be there. They need a three technique really bad right now, right? Um, they can use an interior lineman. I don't think they'll do that in the first round, but there's options here that he's able to play with and he can find a blue chief athlete. Or if, if things get really bad this year, let's say the Bears fall into the top five, and somebody wants a quarterback, then you're definitely going to trade down to be able to recoup a first-round pick and let one of those teams take a quarterback, right? So I, I like the flexibility here, um, I, and I, I like what they did. I just it, It's going to be exciting to see, I think for the first time in our lifetime, a Bears team that's going to mostly be led with their offense and behind their stud quarterback. Justin Fields is the number two fantasy football quarterback in the NFL right now the last four weeks, right? He is putting things together right now, looking very, very comfortable. And, you know, we've been killing him, so you got to praise him. Luke Getze has been in his bag, looking a lot better as an offensive coordinator. And I feel very good about the continuity of, of this coaching staff with Justin Fields going forward, right? Now it's time to start to get um, a, a little bit of a rhythm going with Fields, and Claypool, and Mooney, and Komet, and Harry, and, and Herbert, and Monty, and all these guys are young, and then it's time to find the pieces in the offseason to be able to build this defense back up and, and also this offensive line a little bit. Yeah, let's see. Certainly looking ahead to Sunday because season's not over yet, but the Dolphins bring in one of the top passing attacks in the NFL with those guys I mentioned in two and Jalen Waddle and uh, Tyreek Hill, and certainly a, a different look at the running back. We'll see if Jeff Wilson starts and Raheem Moster. That, that's a, that, that was a big move for them. I think that'll help shore up that uh, running back position for sure. But now you're seeing the Bears hopefully looking to keep pace with these high-scoring teams, right? And we'll see Sunday how they're able to do it. I don't envy the Bears' defense, again, when I talked about those weapons that the Dolphins are going to be able to put out there. Um, do you think Jay, Chase Claypool's plays any minutes on Sunday or decent minutes? Yeah, so Luke Getsy did say today that Claypool will be on the football field on Sunday. He's probably going to be out there in a limited uh, fashion. He's going to have a small package. Uh, pause, no pun intended. Um, God damn it, I was... <laughs> what? <laughs> but, but he will be out there uh, on, on Sunday in some capacity. Look, at listen, the guy's 6'4 and, and 220 and, and can get down the field in the heartbeat, right? He can run oh, a goal route. He can run a goal route at the very, very least. It's going to be yes, a beautiful sir. day. Um, on the lakefront on Soldier Field this Sunday, the, the rain coming in is going to be on Saturday now, not Sunday. It's going to be like 61 degrees, just perfect weather. So get the ball in his football in, in his hands. I mean, because he's a, an important piece of this. It, it's not so much about the wins and losses for the rest of the season at this point. Is development yeah. of Justin Fields and, and him being able to get the continuity with these weapons. So I hope he does get, you know, at least 20 snaps on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's got to see a few series at least. It's like you said, uh, if anything, just run a route and just try to get open, right? And he'll mm-hmm. obviously learning the playbook will take some time, and and learning that chemistry between um, between him and and Fields will be will take some time as well. But uh, we'll see. Hopefully, the field conditions are nice, and hopefully, get a decent game out of it. And hopefully, the Bears continue to score thirty ish points. That's what we need to be seeing. And and Justin Fields continues to progress. And the Bears were not the only ones active at the trade deadline. It's the same story in the NFL with the top teams looking good as the Eagles look to remain undefeated tonight against Houston. 
Probably won't lose that game, but it could be a trap game. You never know. Uh, weird things happen on Thursday nights. The Bills and the Chiefs are still jockeying for top of the AFC. Wheels have fallen off for the Packers and the Bucks, the old number 12s. But the trade deadline was a couple days ago. Let's talk about some of these moves. Robbie Anderson went to the Cardinals. I mean, we didn't even talk about uh, last week about Christian McCaffrey going to the 49ers, and that's uh, going to continue to make – the San Francisco stock rise uh, as Jimmy G gets a good weapon there. And the rest of um, that team, James Robinson went to the jets from the Jaguars. Robert Kuhn, we talked about going to the Eagles, Kadarius, Tony, he might be a, a sleeper, like good wide receiver for the chiefs there. That helps out that wide receiver room, which is already, it already has some, some good wide receivers in there. Some speed for sure. Roquan to the Ravens. We talked about TJ Hawkinson, uh, that's surprising that Detroit dealt them to dealt him, excuse me, to the Vikings, mm-hmm. and then Chase Claypool come to the Bears, Bradley Chubb going to the Dolphins, Calvin Ridley to the Jaguars, and then Naeem Hines to the Bills. Those are just some of the the larger moves. What stood out to you the most as far as winners, Ross? I know a lot of people were pointing to the Dolphins and, yeah. and that Chiefs move made a lot of sense, and McCaffrey was a big one. But anything else stand out to you? Yeah, I was going to say it has to be the Dolphins because, you know, the Dolphins, um, I th- they probably overpaid a little bit for Bradley Chubb, um, both in, in, in draft yeah. capital, but also the contract that they gave him. But at this point, they're so all in. Who gives a shit? And, and you know, they, they had to make that move, especially when you've got Josh Allen in your division. And you're trying to take him out. And you've got Patrick Mahomes in the conference. And you're trying to take him out. Right. They're trying to put as much talent as possible around the 50 they're trying to put as much talent as possible within that 52 man roster to try and compensate a little bit for the one guy which is Tua tongue of a lover right the one question mark on that football team and he's been playing well he's been outstanding this year but what's he going to do in the playoffs because i think they're just trying to stockpile as much talent as they can it's very much the jalen hurts mentality in my opinion uh, with what the Eagles are doing, and it's been working for them. It's working for both football teams. So, and then they got Jeff Wilson from the 49ers. I think that's an underrated pickup because their running back situation has been abysmal all year. Mike McDaniel, the head coach, was the former running game uh, coordinator um, for the 49ers uh, before he came in, and, and Jeff Wilson was very, very successful when McDaniel was was calling the plays. So, I, I, I think. Um, for, for, for the sake of fantasy football, if Jeff Wilson is out there, you might want to pick him up because I think that those two guys are, are very much in lockstep. And I think the Dolphins are going for it. Good for them, right? You, you know, they, they've got a lot of talent. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are two of the most uh, dynamic uh, receivers in the field. We're going to see them up close and personal on the lake front on Sunday. And then the other piece to it was, um, you know, guys like, 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 like the Packers didn't do anything. They, they did nothing. They didn't bring yeah. in a wide receiver. Talk about I, losers the trade right. The yeah. rumor was they tried to go after Claypool. They didn't. They weren't able to match the the Bears, uh, obviously, because you know the the the, um, the, the Steelers thought that the, the the Bears second round pick would be a little bit better. But boy, they, they are really uh, they're really in a free fall right now without not a lot of help. And I think they're going to be able to. They're not going to make the playoffs, in my opinion. I just don't know what they're going to be able to do. Um, and then the other thing that stood out to me was a couple of those wide receivers that didn't get traded. Jerry Judy is still on the roster. I thought that he was a guy that could have been moved. Um, word was that the Broncos wanted a little bit more than the Claypool package, um, and they didn't get it. Brandon Cooks didn't get moved. I don't know what the hell the Texans are doing, but they were offering, they, they were wanting the moon and skies for him uh, when they should have moved him on from him, and now he's not even playing in tonight's football game. He's throwing a tantrum. So now you got a guy that's not playing on your team. He's on the contract this year. He's owed $18 million by your football team next year, and you're not going to play him because you didn't trade him. Huge, huge miss by the Texans, who are going nowhere fast. They should have gotten something for him. They sh- if they got a second-round pick for him, they should have took it instead of asking for uh, a two and a five. And then, as like Heidi's mentioning, TJ Hawkinson is a big move for, for the Vikings, and good for them because Irv Smith is out for at least a month right now with an ankle injury. His his production was up and down. TJ Hawkinson is a legit good tight end. And when you put him in that situation with Justin uh, Jefferson on one side of the field and Adam Thielen on the other side of the field and Kirk Cousins is throwing the football, he immediately jumps up into a, a, a top 10 uh, tight end. And he's going to be able to make some noise in, in, in the playoffs. So, you know, they, and I don't know what the hell the Lions are doing either because they just drafted that young man. He, he, I thought he, I thought that he was supposed to be a part of the rebuild. And so at, at some point – 
are, are the are the Lions are they in their fourth rebuild? I, I can't keep up. Is this the fifth rebuild? Like what's going on here? Because now this just spells or smells like Dan Campbell, you out of here, homeboy, at the end of the season. This is a tight end coach that traded their best one of their best players who's a tight end. Dan Campbell's gone. Bears still stink, but at least they're not Detroit. I don't know what they were thinking with that move. And and certainly your competition only gets better. And now uh, Kirk Cousins gets another weapon to throw to. And TJ Hawkinson, who's also been pointed out in the chat repeatedly, is a good blocker, good all-around tight end, good player. I, I, I sided with you as far as the new faces going to new places. And Miami continues to trend upward. I think that's huge with Jeff Wilson. And, and that's going to be a good move to, to tandem him and Raheem Mostert, especially how injury-prone wide receivers can be as the – Season drags on. That'll help Mostert and um, and and Bradley Chubb. It remains to be seen. That's that's a big move for their defense and and rushing the passer. Uh, obviously, they just had the money to to burn at that point to um, to sign him to a bigger deal like that. But the Dolphins are, are really trending upwards at this point. And and little moves like the Naeem Hines move. And I know that the Bills were trying to swing for Alvin Kamara, and that would have obviously been been very big for the Bills. Uh, but don't necessarily need Kamara if it if it costs too much. So making little moves like that, that's what these great teams do, and that's how they separate themselves. What, what good teams do, again, great teams do, is they, they try to add something around their franchise quarterback. And the Packers, it, it's just been such a bizarre season. I mean, certainly we thought that this would be a big step down for Aaron Rodgers not having any real help with uh, the wide receiving core, and, and he'll have some injuries along the offensive line. But man, to not even try to get a Kadarius Tony or, or field calls for, you know, I heard Chase Claypool's name was mentioned with, in that conversation as well. It's completely surprising to me. I, I, uh, I think of the losers of the NFC North, certainly, that would be the Packers. And when, um, you know, you're looking at teams that have been trending downwards, like, like I mentioned the Bucs uh, starting this segment off and, and the Packers, uh, both were, were real quiet uh, considering you know, you still have a franchise quarterback and maybe you're just one weapon away or, or, you know, one offensive lineman away from maybe just helping out that team that much more. I know it's a whole roster and 22 guys out there um, as far as your starters are concerned, but that was so surprising to me. It is. I mean, it, and this has been, you know, the Packers MO for a long time now. They just don't go out there and make aggressive moves, especially in in the midseason. But this really was the year that they, they should have did it. And, um, and and now we'll see what happens. I, I don't think this is going to end, you know, very well for that for them and uh, and, and Aaron Rodgers. But you know what? Fuck them. Yep. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? You you've been uh, you know sitting atop the division. You've had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks for some for some time now. It, you need to kind of feel what the rest of the world has felt and 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 kind of sit at the bottom for a while. So. Hopefully this is the sign of the of the end and it's hopefully the rise of the Chicago Bears and, and we're able to uh, overtake that and, and run the north for a while uh, other than Justin Fields, right? Sounds very Game of Thronesy, but let's let's take the north and, and the House of Fields. Yeah, absolutely. Hold on to the Seven Kingdoms for for some time now. And House Cousins. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it'll go through well, looks like the Vikings. Vikings are certainly trending upwards, but yeah. it, it makes me very pleased that the Detroit and uh, and the Packers are trending down. Looking ahead to this week, and, and we're half more than halfway through the the season now. Or right about that halfway point, I should say. You know, like we talked about, we got the Houston Philly matchup, the doubleheader tonight. We got the World Series, and then we also got the, the Eagles taking on the Texans. Uh, I could not see the Texans beating this this Eagles team, especially without Brandon Cooks. Uh, I know they're favored by. 13 and a half. Uh, I, I'd be pretty persuaded to, to bet on that, but looking ahead to the rest of the weekend schedule, you know, Packers lions, uh, both jockeying for um, lower pole position in the NFC North, the, the games, you know, the bills jets game, the jets have obviously been the doormat for a while now. And we saw that they, um, they lost to the Patriots last week, but when you get into to play like this, this is a pretty big test for the Bills, and they just had a big win against the Packers. I know that'll be a good game to watch. The Vikings and the Commanders still show a lot of fight. Now they've got Taylor Heineke uh, under center for them, so look out for that game too. Seahawks-Cardinals, That when you get into that division, it's usually a, a good rivalry will come out of that, so we'll see Geno Smith and Kyler Murray face off. Rams and Bucks, uh, another good one. 
And then the Sunday Nighter, the the Titans, man, they have they've snuck back into that conversation as far as pretty good teams in, in the AFC, albeit without Ryan Tannehill and without uh, with a terrible uh, performance by their young quarterback there in in uh, replacement of Tyler, uh, of Ryan Tannehill, excuse me. But the Chiefs, it, it looks like one of those games where they're fresh off the bye. They should roll over them. What else are you looking forward to this week, Ross? Yeah, I mean, first off, way too many teams on bye weeks this week. I, I The NFL, I, for as many people as they have watching this situation, they need to balance these schedules out a lot more, in my opinion. And then, you know, outside of that, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games in the noon window, and then one two games in the 325 window. How is that any kind of balance or anything like that? And, and, I, and I don't know if that's maybe they thought that game seven of the World Series might be on Sunday. It's It would be Saturday, uh, hypothetically, if it gets to that point. But um, that's, that's, that's not good balance, but I digress. Um, the matchup to me of, of the week is kind of a, a, a potential loser leaves town matchup. And that's the Rams versus the Buccaneers, that, that 325 football game. That game is in Tampa Bay. This is a rematch of the playoff game last year where we saw the back and forth between both teams. Tom Brady um, comes back only for, for Matthew Stafford to kind of throw that little Hail Mary pass against the Blitz to Cooper Cup to be able to win that game uh, in overtime, I believe that was. that went to overtime last year. But that's a big game for me because both those teams right now are, are, are struggling mightily. And something's got to give, right? I think Tampa Bay needs this game a lot more, even though they have the most winnable division. Because right now, currently, the Atlanta Falcons are, are in first place, uh, thanks to DJ Moore tossing his helmet off last week. But something's got to give with those two football teams. They are struggling big time right now. Cooper Cobb had an ankle injury last week. He's still going to play this week, but the Rams still can't run the football. They didn't make a trade for a for a running back. They've got one of the worst pass rushes in the league right now, despite the fact that Aaron Donald is on this football team and is um, and Leonard Floyd. Um, and, and we've seen what's happened to Tom Brady. He's got a divorce now. He, he's talking a lot about work-life balance and how hard it is. He's on a three- or four-game losing streak right now. I, I mean, at some point, he's got to – right? The, the Bucks have got to kind of wake up and, and, and get this thing back together because they're still the favorites to win that division. They should still win that division – but they got to start getting some wins again or else this is going to get really bad. Yeah, three-game losing streak for the Bucs. And on the other side, like you mentioned, the Rams not looking quite like the the champs of last year. And certainly the Bengals didn't look like that last uh, week against the Browns. Um, yeah, should be another good week packed full of uh, quality football. Probably not tonight. I mean, if you like the Eagles, they'll, they'll roll on. Um, and then Ravens Saints, that's a sleeper for a good one. The Saints are just a, they're a confusing team over there. Um, when, when you look at the quarterback situation, everything surrounding them um, should be a good one. Yeah, it is tough. I know Cliff pointed out for, for if you're a fantasy football player for the bye weeks, as we see that uh, the Browns, Cowboys, Broncos, Giants, Steelers, and 49ers are off. Yeah, you, you bring up a good point with that. Just the balance is not there. Certainly, there should be about four afternoon games and then, you know, a couple less in the, in the afternoon if you're going to play it that way. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, my, my, my theory is that they, they probably wanted, um, you know, one of these, they, they probably thought one of these, these early games would be a potential really good late game, or they thought that the Rams bucks were going to be like, imagine they, they probably thought that both these teams would be like one or two lost teams, something like that. And so like, that's your big marquee matchup. When in reality, this is one of the shittier matchups of the week. I mean, I, I you know everybody's still going to watch it, but I, you know, for example, I think the other afternoon game, Seahawks Cardinals, might be a little bit more exciting, right? The Seahawks are a super fun football team to watch right now, and the Cardinals, I'll watch them anytime that that uh, Kyler uh, Murray might yell at Cliff Kingsbury uh, throughout the week. <laughs> but I mean, your marquee matchup of the day is it is it Bills Jets? It, right is is that your your you know division game uh you know bill's best team in the conference right now but the jets right now currently are a playoff team that might be yeah. your biggest marquee matchup of the day you know it's just, you talk it about should sunday, be yeah you talked about sunday night yeah. game sunday night game should be fun obviously but you know i expect the chiefs to roll their asses but you know it, yeah it's it's uh this this is usually what we call apple picking uh week 
um, where if, if you need to go out and do the apple picking with the family or anything like that, this might be the Sunday that that they do your fall do things. Absolutely. Yeah, there you go. The NFL not putting their their best effort out there this week. No, not so much. Switch focus to the Bulls, Ross, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. rest of the NBA. Of course, the Bulls winning two straight. Zach Levine doing the heavy lifting against the the Nets, who we'll talk about in a moment. And the bench doing the work against Charlotte yesterday as the uh, as DeRozan and Levine combined for 19 points, which was pretty unusual. But the, the bench was looking good. Goran Dragic, Javante Green, and, you know, this core that that has remained, uh, you know, the only real addition was Dragic over the offseason, big addition. And uh, they string together a couple of wins. I know, obviously, the Nets are just uh, abysmal right now without Ben Simmons and what's going on both on the court and off the court. Um, but then winning against Charlotte, uh, are you, you know, trending a little bit more upwards or, or is it still the same story for you? <laughs> yeah, I, I need them to start getting on a little bit of a winning streak. I, I've watched the last couple of games and what's encouraging is number one, Zach Levine is playing back to back, right? So that was his first back to back situation of the season so far, which is a really good sign. Um, the other really good sign is that Patrick Williams is starting to be a little bit more assertive. I tweeted out there yesterday that what he's doing right now is the lane that he needs to stay in, which is kind of a little bit of a dribble drive, a lot of mid-range game, a lot of cutting to the basket, a lot of what DeMar DeRozan does very well, just in a lighter version, right? And so if Patrick Williams is able to, to continue to do that, I feel much better about this Bulls situation, but they just need to stack some wins. I, it feels like there is very little buzz right now in the early part of the season because there is no consistency with the wins, right? They're, they're five and four right now. So you kind of want to see them get some confidence underneath their belt and, and, and start to stack some wins. And we can start to get a little bit more of a buzz in this NBA season. I think the whole NBA season as a, as a whole right now is just really flat. I think it's really flat because of um, a lot of the off-the-court stuff that we eventually do have to talk about. Um, Wojnowski just tweeted right now that Kyrie Irving has been suspended by the the, the Brooklyn Nets. Um, so is a Woj bomb. I feel like a lot of the off-the-court stuff in the, in, in the NBA as a whole started with the Draymond Green stuff, right? We got the Kyrie Irving stuff. Um, yeah. Even like like the the Russell Westbrook stuff, it just feels like everything has been geared towards off the court right now in the NBA, and and the NBA doesn't really get going anyway until around Christmas. But I don't think anybody is really in the mood right now to talk NBA or really get excited about it. But for the Bulls standpoint, just keep stacking some wins. Yeah, it's still very early on, and the Bulls. You uh, mentioned Patrick Williams and had a good game yesterday, and, and an efficient game when he played 33 minutes and and poured in you know 17 points, and he he was shooting uh, very well overall, and 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 passing well as well. Just everything you, you want to see from Pat Williams, which we haven't seen um, recently in the, these Bulls games. But you know, you talked about. Uh, the off the court issues and Kyrie Irving obviously should have been suspended for that, but it goes beyond that for, for the Nets certainly too, um, who played the bulls and, and were on the losing end and firing Steve Nash after his blow up. And after this poor start to the season, maybe it was predetermined. Maybe Katie had something to do with it. Um, hiring Ime Adoka, like good luck with that. If you are um, taking, taking the reins of, of that team, Jesus, the personalities and everything going on. Um, but it's like you said that this, the whole, the vibe of both pop culture and, and of, uh, you know, the sporting realm is, is dominated with the, this, these, um, these anti-Semitic, um, stances that well, Kanye has taken on one side. And then you're seeing Kyrie doing this. Kyrie was obviously, uh, you know, no stranger to controversy based on his flat earth thing and, and not wanting to get boosted. This guy just, it, it, it really doesn't surprise you to an extent, but at a certain point, why do you want to play with this guy if you're his teammate? Certainly, why do you want to coach him uh, as transcendent of a talent as he is? He's just says some nuts things. He really is like a basketball equivalent of Kanye West to an extent here, and especially with with the uh, remarks or or that they have had and, and viewpoints. So it's it's unfortunate, you know. They're they're overshadowing, um, or Kyrie is overshadowing, and and again the Draymond antics. They're overshadowing. The Suns' great start, and the Bucks are still undefeated. No one's beaten them. Uh, mm-hmm. Cleveland, you know, looking in the division with the Bulls, 
they are that power to beat. They they have some big title aspirations this year with a good team around them led by Donovan Mitchell. Um, but it's very early on. Like there's there's only so much you can take away from it. But but Kyrie rightfully should have been suspended. I'm surprised it took as long as it did. He, he I feel like Adam Silver gave him that opportunity to outright apologize, and he did not take the opportunity. So of course Kyrie said, "All right, well I'll be suspended." Yeah, he he doubled and tripled down, and so now the Nets are suspending him. They're saying it's, it's going to be no less than five games. It might be more than that. You know, to touch on this, I, I think it's a um, it's it's a it's a macrocosm of of what we're seeing in society right now. Is listen, I I've got a journalism degree. I have a degree in, in print journalism from from Columbia College, and I was always taught early on um, in journalism school that um, if your mother said something or if she told you something, that you still have to go out there and vet that, right? You still have to make sure that that is true and do everything that you can to make sure that it's true. And in these days, I think that we're seeing a lot of um, quote-unquote information being passed off um, as something that's true when it's not. It's just propaganda. It's bullshit. It's not. It's, 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 it's false. We're in the Alex Jones era where he can go out there and say whatever he wants. And finally, you know, guys like that are being held accountable. But Everybody's got a platform from from you know your Joe Rogans of the world to, to so on and so forth. And so many people are just spewing false information and passing it off as real. And that angers me so much. And I and that's my biggest fear with one of our favorite platforms, Twitter, going forward, is you know, allowing anybody, any Tom, Dick, and Harry to get a blue check mark and be able to just say what he wants and pass it off as, as factual information is really scary because you know it makes society all the more stupider, all the more ignorant, all the more volatile. And, sure. and that's kind of where we're at right now. I mean, there's no reason why we need to have these conversations, whether it's, you know, anti-Semitic, whether it's, um, you know, racist towards black people or, or racist towards Mexicans or, or anything like that, or an urban market versus a, 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 a you know, like coming from Oklahoma is, is a lot of information that I've seen or even as stupid as if the fucking earth is flat versus if it's round, I'm just so tired of the misinformation. I, I kind of tweeted about this earlier, but the documentary is no longer the documentary. Like if you watch a documentary on Netflix, how do I know that's real? You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's my, that's my problem in the past when something was called a documentary, it's right there in the definition. It has to be factual. And now when I put something on, I, I have to assume that it's propaganda unless I, I find out otherwise. Uh, the folks at the comments are, are questioning Kyrie. What did he say? It's not what he said. And then Adam Silver put it very well when he delivered this, uh, this sentence of a suspension. He said, quote, Kyrie Irving made a reckless decision to post a link to a film containing deeply offensive anti-Semitic material. While we appreciate the fact that he agreed to work with the Nets and the Anti-Defamation League to combat anti-Semitism and other forms of discrimination, he did agree to, to donate half a million dollars, but did not say he's decided. I'm disappointed that he has not offered an unqualified apology. He did not. And more specifically, denounced the vile and harmful content contained in the film he chose to publicize. I will be meeting with Kyrie in person in the next week to discuss this situation. The commission has spoken. Uh, you got to use your platform for better, man. I, I you know, that, that's what it comes back to. It's it's tough. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, but um, the misinformation is a big, big point that Ross said. Do you have a dog in the fight of Houston and Philly in the World Series, Ross? Also, can we use that expression anymore? Um, I'm all in on Philly. Uh, I as well. I'm a huge Bryce Harper fan. Should be wearing a White Sox jersey, but F U J Reinsdorf, you, you messed that one up. The guy wanted to come to the Chicago White Sox. You didn't want to give him the money, and now look at he's hitting bombs in the World Series. I'm a big Bryce Harper fan. Yeah, for, for him to be able to pull this off with two different franchises right now is really impressive. I think a lot of people forget about Bryce Harper. This guy was on Sports Illustrated when he was like 16 years old, and, and he yeah. was he was given the mantle at that age. It was Bryce Harper. And it was LeBron James. And for both of those guys to be able to live up to the hype from being 16 years old to now, do you understand how much pressure that is and, and how much that puts on you? And he has lived up to it. He's a Hall of Fame baseball player. He's on the verge, you know, hopefully of, of winning a, another World Series ring with the, with the Philadelphia um, uh, Phillies. And I just think it's exciting. When that guy hits a bomb and it, it flies off his bat, it's one of the most electric things in the sports right now. So... I, I'm definitely rooting for the Phillies. Uh, nobody likes the cheaters of, of, of Houston Astros. Um, you know, so so 
it's been a fun World Series too. We got a no hitter last night. Yeah. And so I expect tonight to be a really fun turning point game. I got the Phillies tonight bouncing back and getting on top and taking control of this series. Taking control. I like it. Yeah, that combined no hitter is something else. But you root for certainly uh, the 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 guys like Bryce Harbour and Kyle Schwarber, um, and not the not the cheating Astros uh, and Ross. Uh, will, will anything else on the the pop circuit that you've missed? Are you watching uh, the White Lotus? Anything that we need to be watching at this point? I know the I Thrones haven't. is gone. What you got next? Yeah, I finished. I finished Game of Thrones. It was awesome. Uh, great first season for House uh, of Dragon. Yeah. yeah, great season for for House of Dragon. I won't do any spoilers for you or anything like that. I'm trying to I'm trying to come out of my horror movie bunker that that, that I was in for the last thirty days leading up to Halloween. I watched uh, Barbarian on HBO Max last week, which is a very popular uh, horror movie. So now I'm going to shift my, my focus. I'm trying to see. I need to finish uh, Industry, which is another great show on, on HBO. I did enjoy season one of White Lotus, so I'm going to start kicking off the, the season two of White Lotus. And then I need to start the final season of Atlanta, um, which uh, is something I need to jump into right now. It's pretty good. I'm a yeah. few episodes in, and I've been enjoying it. You know, Donald yeah. Glover has been bringing it, and yeah. uh, it does it does not disappoint thus far. It's very out there, but every you know the direction of every show just every episode, excuse me, feels like a mini movie. It's pretty pretty yeah. impressive stuff. And, and, and we're, go we're ahead. One week, we're one week away from Black Panther: uh, Wakanda Forever. Oh my too. god! Yeah, absolutely. And we uh, we just saw the trailer for the uh, what was that? Ant Man versus Wasp and see yeah. King the Conqueror. Conqueror. Yeah, Forget absolutely. to check out Science Fiction, by the way, folks. That'll yes. be coming up later. Um, but RIP to Takeoff, who was unfortunately shot uh, at a party earlier this week and died on the scene. And and he was 28 years old, mm-hmm. one third of the Migos. He was mm-hmm. recognized by the other two members, Quavo and Offset, as the best lyricist of the group. And he was certainly the most low key and, and soft spoken one, but man, he had some of the most memorable lyrics in, in uh, their songs. And you think of culture one, two, and three and how they, they just took them to the stratosphere and, and how, you know, a kid who was 19 when uh, they did Versace and then, and, you know, to now how, how far they've come. And he did his, his solo album and, you know, he was preaching about how careful you have to be on social media and drink champs when talking about rappers who were getting shot, like, um, you know, all the other ones who we've lost, unfortunately, over these, these past years. But, you know, Migos as a group, they're huge for, for hip hop and, and uh, take off, you know, obviously related to Quavo was his uncle and uh, cousins with offsets too. So real sad for his family. It was just so senseless at this party, you know, a Halloween type of party at this bowling alley um, for this to go down like it did. But he's even at 28, he solidified his place in hip hop, certainly with, uh, with the work he did with the Migos, the soul album, the vibe, just everything. And and they, they took the, you know, trap music to a, to a different stratosphere. It was certainly part of that, you know, along with Gucci man and the rest of that Atlanta scene. So big loss, big loss. Huge loss. Um, I think you know. Um, I was a, a uh, the Migos was one of my guilty pleasures. I, I I've seen them twice in concert. Um, it, it was I, it was very fun music. But you know, a lot of people joked on 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 the group's rap skills as a whole. But you can't um, deny what they did in hip hop over the last ten years. They have some massive massive hits. And they really put it on. Uh, for that new Atlanta is what I call it, right? Kind of the the, the, yeah. the rise back up of Atlanta. Uh, you know, also guys like Twenty One Savage, who's dropping an album tomorrow with Drake, are, are, are kind of in that group. But he was the best rapper in that group by far. And if you go back and listen to a lot of their work, um, you know, Qu- you know, Quavo and Offset were a little decent, right? Fun guys. But when Takeoff got on the mic, you can tell that he was the one that really had the most skills in the group, which is why it was his idea to start the group. He went to his uncle Quavo and said, I think we should do this. And they were able to, to come off the streets and, and be able to start this group. Just absolutely brutal, senseless situation. You know, it, it always reminds me of um, when 50 Cent would say, I got to a certain point in my life and the amount of money that I made that I wasn't able to keep going to the same places anymore because I knew I was going to lose my life because I too many people were watching me. I, you know, Jay-Z has a, has a great song called Streets is Watching. Um, and, and you have to be able to, it doesn't matter what you do, if you're a rapper or anything like that, when you start to reach a certain level, you cannot move the same like you used to. And if you do, unfortunately, it, it, it could be your demise. And so 
to see a young man who is, you know, had a lot of money, is very successful, lose his life in a freaking dice game. It's a dice game. It's, it's, you know, I, I hate to, to, to see that that even him and, and Quavo were even in that environment. I hope this is a lesson going forward to not only young rappers, it seems to happen more to young rappers than any other musical genre on the planet, but just people in general, when you start to move and mature in life, be mindful of the rooms and the situations that you're in because it can really save your life going forward. The, the goal at the, the goal of every day is for you to make it home by the end of the night. I don't care what else you have on, on, on in store or planned. The number one goal is you need to make it back home that night. And I hope that people realize that going forward. As well said, Ross, and, and certainly take off in those circumstances a, a lot um, after his loss, the, NBA community, the whole sports community, um, all other musicians came out in support. One of the, one of the most interesting points was uh, kind of to your point, Ross, was what Deion Sanders said to to his football players and talking about how you have to separate yourself from, from these guys who you grew up with, man, because you're not like them. You, you have a different status. You, you got to like shut yourself in. And he, he in that speech, he said, no one's leaving the hotel. All right. Um, but it's that sort of situation, right? Where it's, it's, you want to, not change yourself completely, but you have this new status and, and someone's gunning for it. And, and it's eerie that he had pointed that out on drink champs too. And, and uh, how this had happened, but should have been avoided obviously. So uh, rest in peace, take off for sure. But He's double down, down, double down on Phillies tonight, the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, we are out of time. Thanks to everybody for, watching listening in uh, we appreciate it you've been seeing it if you've been watching on youtube uh, at the bottom of our screen here remember to come out to kings in rosemont between two to four and you can meet all of us aldo dan uh perhaps mike north oh is he confirmed now <laughs> and ross and myself uh, john buffone uh thanks for supporting us as always thanks for all the the interaction today uh, to everybody who was in active in the chats for sure. Remember to follow us on Twitter. Follow me at the real Evan Mac, follow Ross at Ross Reed, follow the barroom network at barroom network. If you missed any of our previous shows, check them out on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. We are out of here. Uh, hit that like button. Y'all as, as Toa said, and uh, be good to each other out there. So long everybody. Peace. See you Saturday.